Welcome to the Big Screen Symposium 2018 podcast. The Big Screen Symposium took place in Auckland on the 26th and 27th of October. Please note, while many of the speakers used clips in their sessions, we've edited these out to better suit the podcast. In Kenyan filmmaker Wanuri Kahu's keynote address, she explores the Afro-bubblegum movement. What if our art, our stories, our voices were more about celebrating joy than overcoming suffering? Would we think ourselves more worthy of happiness? Using examples of joy traditions and cultures expressed through African art, Wanuri presents an argument for the zeitgeist of joy and hope. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, and it's such an honor to be in such a beautiful country. Um, you have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful country and, um, and we're, we're privileged and glad to be here. So um, I've been invited to speak about what I believe is the current zeitgeist, which is a zeitgeist of joy. Um, and if you don't believe it is, I'm hoping that the next couple of minutes um, convinces you. So I recently made a film called Rafiki. It's a coming-of-age film about two girls in love and the change their love brings to the world around them. Making the film reminded me of a Lucille Clifton poem that asks, what have you traveled towards more than your own safety? I often wondered about that question. What had I traveled towards more than my own safety? And what will I travel towards more than my own safety? Making Rafiki gave me my answer, joy. I travel towards joy, creativity, and freedom of expression more than my own safety. I made Rafiki in 2017 after submitting the script to the Kenya Film Classification Board, who issues licenses to shoot films. Once the film was completed, I submitted it again to the Kenya Film Classification Board for a rating. Instead, they asked me to change the end of the film. To them, the ending was too hopeful. <laughs> the ending suggested that people in same-sex relationships can be accepted in Kenya. This was not the impression they wanted the film to leave. They would have preferred the end was more remorseful. That was their word. Joy and hope was not the message they wanted the film to send. And as a result, the film was banned. That means the film cannot be distributed, exhibited, broadcast, or possessed within the Republic of Kenya. To the classification board, the film was not a reflection of the spirit of our time, and we were not ready to see images of ourselves that did not fit in the approved status quo. In that instant, the joy I tried to preserve in my film became an act of dissidence. Choosing joy vilified me among family, friends, people in my community, and my nation. I have family members who still do not speak to me because of, film, of a film they have not seen. <laughs> joy was not a safe option, but still I chose it. The Film Classification Board seemed to forget that as an artist, all I am is a reflection of the time I live in, and any work I create is made at the right time. And as an Afro-Bubblegum artist, I choose to create fun, fierce, and frivolous art, art full of hope and joy, because I live in a time of joy and abundance, as well as protest and survival. The Afro-Bubblegum genre is, be is growing, and it's now becoming the norm. 
the language of young modern artists. Apart from using it to describe our own joy and hope-filled work, we now use it to record past traditions and modern joy cultures. Afro bubblegum is changing the perspective of us, people of color, and advocates for fun, fierce, and frivolous views of ourselves through art. Afro bubblegum art creates commissions and curates non-agenda pop art. Art for art's sake. It is imagination-first art that gives us the possibility to imagine more than pain and suffering. And not all art is Afro bubblegum art. It must pass a test. In Afro bubblegum art, you cannot have two or more Africans who are sick or dying, in need of saving, or who are hopeless, desperate, or lost. As people of color, we've become used to seeing ourselves or used to our imagination weaving tales of woe and damnation. Perhaps this is one of the reasons that the majority of African cinema is so hurt-filled. So much so that a friend says you don't wake up in the morning and want to watch an African film because you expect pain or malice or hopelessness. This unbalanced view of Africa is not only reflected in art, but in media too. It is an unfair reflection of ourselves. We have constructed stories in which we are not recipients of joy and abundance, and we have allowed those to be the primary stories about us. And if that's all we know about ourselves, then how can we imagine hope, joy, frivolity, or fun? We are excited about the, the change art brings. We are also incredibly proud of our imagination. And when we obey our imagination, we make important content. In film, the creation of characters is incredibly political. They have to be a certain sex, gender, race, class. Life is layered, as is representing the living, and the human experience is a political statement. But I want to talk about joy. And like my film, joy, this joy was not the first time uh, it was seen as a revolutionary act. And films have been censored in the past in Africa. Africans in colonial Zimbabwe and Zambia had been watching films since the First World War, when mine workers used films as a way to attract workers to their compounds. By the end of the 1930s, screenings were a regular part of leisure time. However, at the end of the Second World War, the popular and much-loved cowboy films sparked a debate about whether or not they should be allowed to screen. In 1948, missionaries started to advocate for censorship of cowboy films. Their cause was supported by white settlers who thought that Zimbabweans were impressionable and credulous cinema audiences. They argued that this frivolous entertainment would be a direct contributor to increased violence and resistance in the cities. The sheer thought of Zimbabweans enjoying themselves was a threat. In 1980, Gogo Odiongo's books were banned after publishing a comedy, I Will Marry When I Want, a story about an older couple eager to marry their daughter off to wealthy colonial sympathizers. The comedy was considered seditious and political, and Gogia Wadiongo was jailed for close to one year without charge and fired from his job at the University of Nairobi. 
Anyone caught with possession of his books was also arrested. The result was artists were labeled as anarchists, rebels, revolutionaries. His comedy was an act of dissidence. That too, according to the authorities in charge, was not a reflection of the time and therefore had to be suppressed. It seems that if you decided to be an artist, you were meant to create only nationalistic pieces that exalt the country and its stewardship. Failing that, you're meant to create art as a tool for education, change, or as a foreboding sense, a tale of morality. The general feeling is that if we're going to be an artist, we have to do it to help the community, as prescribed by authoritarians. And if it didn't fit into the narrow constraints, then it was considered a luxury rather than a strength. This suppression only leads to upcoming artists hiding their imagination away and professional artists not receiving the support they need to thrive. It teaches an unfortunate lesson that imagination is not safe. Yet, imagination is not a luxury. It influences everything we do think and create. It leads to elaborate theories, dreams, and inventions in any profession. Knowledge by itself cannot suffice. It needs imagination to create and explore new knowledge. Knowledge tells us that Africa is the second largest continent in the world in terms of size and population, and it takes up one-fifth of the world's total land mass, and that a quarter of the world's languages trace their roots back to ancient African languages. Imagination translates hieroglyphs, imagines the pyramids before they were built, and designs the ancient cities of Lalibela in Ethiopia. If we continue to see only one view of ourselves for so long, that is all we will know to create. If we come to believe that our image of pain is all that we are, that's all we will be. There are few countries who offer support to artists. So to create, we find work, in foreign agencies or non-governmental organizations, and art becomes a tool to promote agenda. It is not an expression of ideas, but rather a tool to help other agencies get their message across. And these, message, then these images becomes the ones that people associate with our continent, and worse, it is becomes the images we associate ourselves with. If we watch ourselves in the same TV and read the same, te and read the same media everyone else does, why would we believe anything more than we see? Whatever the reason we need a new way through, an Afro-bubblegum approach to art is one way. The advocacy of, of African art to be imagination first. And I'm not saying there's no space for agenda art. It is, an important, life, it is important and life-changing. It is just as important to express our anger and our frustration. A recently re released film by George Tillman, The Hate You Give, about a young woman who watches her friend gunned down by police, speaks about our need not to stay silent in the face of hate, but it does not shy away from our joy either. It is because of our joy that we must remain resilient, and it is because of our joy that we must continue to fight. When we give voice to our struggle, it is important to highlight the love that we advocate for. I am the chairperson of SAFE, Sponsored Arts for Education, a charity that makes plays and films around female genital mutilation, HIV and AIDS, and radicalization. The films made to advance the messages are often full of jokes, laughter, and song, 
they're much a celebration of life as a message of change. As a result, the community theater and films made by SAFE have managed to decrease the rates of female genital cutting in some areas by 60%. Next year, as a result of SAFE's efforts, the organization has led an alternate coming-of-age ceremony for girls. This means no more cutting for women in the community, and the elders and men are, are also in support of this practice. It's a huge milestone in the community that could not have been achieved without the incorporation of community agenda-led joyous art. Like the work SAFE creates, we have found many other Afro-bubblegum examples of joyous tradition art experiences, and perhaps this transformation has been long coming, and the current joy zeitgeist we see in African artists as a result of this Afro-bubblegum culture that has always existed. Near Lake Chad in northern Niger, the Wudabe people come together at the end of a rainy season to celebrate the Festival of the Nomads. At the center of the celebration is Gerawal, a male beauty contest and courtship ritual where young men wear full makeup, jewelry and their finest clothes and stand in line waiting for a panel of female judges to inspect them. To win, they must parade large smiles and pull all manner of expressions to attract the judges. The judges are historically drawn to the largest smiles and whitest teeth. The winner of the contest may win a night of passion with one of the judges. Here, strength is seen as the ability to be happy. The image of warrior-like men competing with each other in, out, in an out-smiling contest gives me such joy. It may not be seen as resistance, but I think that it is. Perhaps if we saw more black men as people who compete through joy, we may have a different perspective of the world we live. The stereotype would change. We would remember that we have the ability to thrive, that we are everyday superheroes. Between the 1960s and the 1980s, African film magazine comics or lookbooks were published across Anglophone Africa. The comics were vibrant, fantastic, and fun. They followed the adventures of superheroes like Son of Samson, Cobra, the serpentine Shiro, <laughs> and the Spear. African crime-fighting heroes who, uh, an African crime-fighting hero who had a charming way with girls and a deadly way with thugs. The magazines were true pan-African collaborations. They were written in Nigeria, photographed in Swaziland, edited in South Africa, printed in Kenya, Ghana, and distributed in the West, East, and South of Africa. Hundreds of thousands of each issue were sent across the continent to avid readers who would line up outside Drum magazine to get their copies. These lookbooks published in colonial Africa and apartheid Africa demonstrate the importance of frivolity in times of hard political struggle. We saw ourselves as heroes. It gave us strength and a sense of purpose. If Son of Samsung and the Spear could overcome evil, we too could go through our days with renewed confidence. Seeing is believing, and the superheroes gave us the radical hope to see a better future. In Ethiopia, a young artist called Zawash King creates images of himself dressed in traditional dress and jewelry. He says that in traditional Ethiopia, there are many people who dress in different ways, and only recently was there concern about men dressing in robes. His photography has caused ripples, and his work is... is is something he travels towards more than his own safety. He does it in fun, 
but often the response is anything that is, is, is more than that. Osman Mashari, a mixed media artist in Kenya, <clears throat> did the same thing. He reimagined people and made them superheroes through his work. In one series, League of, Extraordin of Extravagant Grannies, he highlights retired women who were once industry and government leaders. His images create awakened curiosity about our gender politics and power dynamics. In his next series of grannies, he took ordinary women from Nairobi and made them high fashion models. The people featured in his work have said it has changed their lives. They have a renewed sense of pride. They felt seen and acknowledged in joyful ways. His work was most recently selected to add to the African futurist narratives around Black Panther. He created stories about people through his art, giving them new myths based on old legends. Laetitia Kay has also found a new way to create her joy culture. She uses hair art. It is intelligent, quirky, whimsical, and light. Her art gives us access to an Africa that is hopeful, playful, and full of creativity. And I often wonder, what would change if we thought of ourselves as that? What if these images of Africa were used for NGO messaging and foreign policy communication? Would we imagine ourselves worthy of the pursuit of happiness? I imagine if we see ourselves as joyful, gifted, talented people, we will think of ourselves as joyful, gifted, talented people. Laetitia's work makes me smile, and though I've never been to Abidjan, I imagine there are others like her who share a similar sense of humor, and I feel I know them. If we were to interact often with these images of, of people of color, our perception of black people would change. And given joy is the inhibitor of fear, we would find more commonality and ways of associating with each other than differences. I often think that if people were connected through joy cultures by sharing what they enjoyed the most, how they cook, how they dance, how they smile, we would have a better, more cohesive understanding. Joy changes perspectives. And in my life, when I can truly make fun of someone and they of me, and we can laugh at each other despite where we come from, then I know we have the capacity to work together, to live together and to grow. It is hard to understand people who do not understand your humor. Stephen Pinkerton in his book, Enlightenment, argues that we are in the best part of human history. The standard of life is better. It's never been better than in, 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 any, in the history of humanity. The death toll due to war, infant mortality, sickness has dropped. Literacy, civil rights, women's rights, LGBT rights are better than they have been. I'm not saying that we, have, we don't have a long way to go, we do, but they're better than they have been. In comparison with our past, we are doing much better in all areas except one, the way we communicate about ourselves. This area is far worse than it's ever been. It may be access to information, the ability to share stories, but one thing we have done in our recent history is lean into stories of fear and insecurity. So we believe that we are living in a fearful world. We do not share enough stories of our success and triumph and seek connections through our combined strength. Our social capital, that is our ability to trust each other, work with each other, invest in foreign business, is therefore affected. Instead, we only trust, work, and associate with people who look like us.
sound like us or people we know? How can we expand our experience of ourselves or others if we stay within the safe and comfortable experiences of ourselves? When Afro bubblegum succeeds, neo-African artists like Dennis Osadebe will be the way we imagine Nigerian life, Nigerian police, and Nigerian people. His work will remind us that imagination is not a luxury but a necessity, and we have the ability to experience shared humanity through our joy. Work like Dennis would be used to communicate our dreams, his art would be the reason different people want to work together and want to ensure a greater standard of life. This is not the Nigeria you read about. This is the Nigeria inspired by grace, honor, and understanding. His Afronaut series has images of Africans thriving, being funny, and playful. His images are a part of fun and frivolity that is underrepresented and underappreciated and underpromoted in Africa. It should inspire us to feel worthy of, ha of, of happiness and adventure. It is, what we th it, it is what we want to think of when we think of Nigeria and when we recognize we are all contributors of global joy cultures. His safety is questioned by people who ask him to get a real job. Nigerian-American uh, uh, writer Nnedi Okarafo does a similar thing. She subverts the ideas we have about Africa, what Africans do, and turns it on its head. She draws what she can, as a Nigerian-American artist, she draws what she can from both cultures to create a new dimension. She weaves science fiction and fantasy into, in with tradition and old ways. She writes about teenage girls who discover the ability to fly or learn to master their sorcery or travel to another planet to join a university in space. In Nnedi's stories, we see future versions of ourselves and they are invented and rooted and steeped in the power of the people. Her characters are strong, resilient, and often magical. Her work touches on many themes, but the themes are not the source of creation. Imagination is. I try and do the same thing in my own work. I work to represent the people who inspire, amuse, and encourage me. They are the characters I create because we are all part of this new joy zeitgeist that I believe has taken over the world. They've taught me the need to fiercely defend our image. I do not want to misrepresent them. So now I insist on beautiful depictions of people of color. And after Rafiki, I see the difference it makes. The journey of making this film has been one of growth, patience, courage, happiness, anger, and hope. I was in my late teens when I first saw a film with young Africans in love. Before that, I had never seen any Africans kiss. I still remember the thrill, surprise, and wonder, and how the film disrupted my idea of romance. Before then, affection was reserved for foreigners, not for us. I had watched Europeans fall in love, Americans fall in love, but I had never seen Africans fall in love. To imagine that, I was, that it was normal for Africans to hold hands and kiss on screen was astonishing. The film I watched, although thrilling, and I watched it twice, was an, an educational film about HIV and how love can turn to pain. Years later, when I read Jambula Tree by Monica Arakadenyeko, I was caught off guard again. As a romantic, I had to bring the life of this tender playfulness of the girls in Jambula Tree to life. And as a filmmaker, it was vital 
to show beautiful Africans in love and add those memories to cinema. My hope is that this film is viewed as an ode to love, whose course is never smooth, and as a message of love and support to those among us who are asked to choose between love and safety. Rafiki is my first conscious and deliberate Afro-bubblegum Afro film after the creation of the genre. While making Rafiki, I was more careful about the use of joy. So you can imagine my dismay when the film I had intentionally purposed to be joyful and hopeful was asked to be edited to be more remorseful. Our attempt to break our past and narrow definitions of how we define ourselves was thwarted by my own government's officials. I knew that making a film about young women in love challenges larger human rights issues associated with same-sex relationships in East Africa. I, had, I acknowledged that over the past seven years of developing the film, we had seen worrying developments in anti-LGBT climate in East Africa. Local films and international TV shows had been banned because of LGBT content, including cartoons like Hey Arnold and Adventure Time, because they're so... <laughs> including Hey Arnold and Adventure Time. This has muffled conversations about LGBT rights and narrowed the per parameters of freedom of speech. We knew filming Rafiki would challenge deep-rooted cynicism between same-sex relationships among the actors, crew, friends, relatives, and larger society. We like that Rafiki brings to the forefront conversations about love and freedom of choice. Not only freedom to love, but also the freedom to create stories. In our effort to release the film in Kenya, we sued the Kenya Film Classification Board for freedom of expression. Though our constitution is young, it allows us the right to freedom of expression and freedom of creativity. As part of our advocacy, we argued for the ban to be lifted for seven days in order for the film to qualify as a Kenyan entry for the Oscars. The judge lifted the ban, allowing Kenyans to watch Rafiki in Nairobi in September 2018, acknowledging that one of the reasons for artistic creativity is to stir the society's conscious, conscience even on very vexing topics such as homosexuality. That's what the judge said. Rafiki was released in Kenya for seven days and we sold out every theater. The people the film had been made to watch understood the nuances and many, many, many LGBT youth felt seen and acknowledged. After the seven days, the film was banned again and we continue our conversation about our right to joy and we include the larger conversation about our constitu constitutional rights for freedom of expression and push for reform for colonial legislation that has not been upgraded since the introduction of our constitution. Our film, made to celebrate our vitality, has taken, up its, has taken its own life and has pushed us into spaces of advocacy. Despite the limitations of Kenya Film Classification Board, we strongly believe in the country's new and rather young constitution that allows us to express ourselves. As we work to return the film from ex exile, we ask others to join us in questioning what they are willing to travel towards more than their own safety. And we know that hope and joy that we celebrate in our work is indeed in keeping with the spirit of our time. Joy is political, and our joy matters. Joy is underfunded, underpromoted, underappreciated, but it is always and has always been a part of our expression as people of color. 
And when we all begin to take joy more seriously and see us as uh, the second largest population of people that make up us as Africans, second largest population of people that make up 14% of the world's population, when we see Africans as successful, laughing, loving, and being joyous, and when we imagine Africa, a landmass of one-fifth of the world's total landmass, as glorious, full of wealth, knowledge, and information, then what kind of world would that be? What different perceptions would we have of Africa and people of color? Would we think of ourselves as worthy of more happiness? Would our happiness affect our world, make it more livable? When I write, I think of these things. I think of the people that give me measurable joy, who give me life, and I work to represent them. That's why the stories I tell are about girls who risk everything to fall in love, or little boys who race camels in the desert, or Nairobi pop bands who want to go to space. I create to honor joy. I create stories that, pre that present a little version of, the, of how I see the world, and my world is mostly happy. And I recognize it's a privilege to be happy in our current splintered and divided world where remaining hopeful requires diligence. And I would hope that curating, creating, and commissioning Afro-Bubblegum art means we all have a different perspective of, of ourselves, a happy perspective, a view that is only gaining momentum, we are at the tipping point of this joy, joy zeitgeist. Is Africa, if Africa is joyful, imagine what it means to the millions of people locked in myopic definitions of their own world and their own experience. We are the stories we tell ourselves. Though my story lives in exile outside my home, the joy as a result of the film is still felt. Our stories must reflect the reality we want to be a part of, a happy reality. In order to do that, we must actively and diligently create positive, glowing, successful images of ourselves. What would you travel towards than your own safety? Is silence, dark tales of morality, loss of art, loss of joy, loss of love, would that push you more towards than and further than your own safety? Maybe some of you would never have to choose, but if you did, think, what would you travel towards more than your own safety? I travel towards joy. Thank you. This session is presented by New Zealand On Air. The Big Screen Symposium is brought to you by Script to Screen and Janda. We would like to thank our event partners, the New Zealand Film Commission, New Zealand On Air, Images and Sound, Screen Auckland and Stage and Screen Travel Services. Voiceover was provided by Samantha Dukes and music by Poddington Bear.